the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com. Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I'm Jeremy Steele, and I'm here with uh, Professor Wendy. She's the Director of Faith Formation at the Institute for Discipleship at Southwestern College, and she's um, she's actually a, a professor of youth ministry, um, as as well as other things. Um, can you tell us? Just curious, what's a, what's another class you've taught besides like a, a youth ministry, uh, intro to youth ministry over there? I have taught uh, teaching the Bible to youth, and we have a class called Adolescent Spirituality that I teach, and it's geared around faith formation and stages of faith by James Fowler and developmental theory, like uh, incorporating Kohlberg or Eric Erickson Mm -hmm. into how we um, think reflectively about the practices we do in youth ministry. So the Intro to Youth Ministry and Adolescent Spirituality are the two classes I teach on campus. And then online, I've taught things like teaching the Bible to youth and um, practicums in youth ministry. I can't remember, really. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, for the record, anyone who who wants to sort of nerd out on development and faith, that book, uh, Stages of Faith by James Fowler, is brilliant, incredible, also super thick, very deep. So, you know. There's that. <laughs> but today, we're not going to talk about uh, adolescent development particularly. We're going into another area that you know an enormous amount about, and that is calling and uh, the culture of call. Um, so I think, though, we start at this place uh, with a sort of realization that people use the word calling uh very haphazardly in the church world. I, I don't think that people do very much sort of reflecting on calling, um, on on what it is, what it means. Um, so I feel like in order for us to have a productive conversation, maybe we need to start there. Um, what is calling? What does that mean, you know, theologically for us? I think the starting place that I like to make is, is starting with God. So mm-hmm. we love because God first loved. It's God is the initiator and the one who takes the first action. And one of the things that is so important as we think about calling is who is the primary caller. Mm-hmm. And at the heart of God, I believe that Scripture teaches us from beginning to end that God calls things uh, to be. At the very, the very mo- first action we see in scripture is God calling creation, calling forth Mm. creation into existence. And then throughout the scriptures, we have story after story of God calling someone to participate in the work that God is doing in the world. So God, through a burning bush, calls Moses to deliver the people and Mm -hmm. to save them from slavery. And when we get to the New Testament, you know, one of my favorite stories is the story of Mary and the angel appearing to Mary and saying, do not be afraid. And, and then speaking this call story into Mary's life, God has chosen you. Uh, if you're willing to bear, bear God in the flesh to humanity. I mean, that is mind blowing actually, yeah. if we stopped to think about a God who is so far beyond our human comprehension that would set the world into motion and then at the same time would call individuals to participate in the work of God in the world. Yeah, Uh, that's uh, that's so 
succinct, but also just so powerful that the idea that uh, the the creator of the universe um, somehow opens uh, himself up to partnership, right? Right. So that, that's sort of that base level. Um, I think, though, well, l- let me ask you, how do you think that calling is misused in the church world? Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think it's one we really need to be asking because um, I think what ends up happening is we relegate calling to this language of a call to ministry. Mm -hmm. And the reality is every disciple of Jesus is called to ministry, whether one is called to um, serve in a career of ministry as a pastor, a worship leader, Um, or one is called to be a firefighter or a hairstylist or a nurse Mm -hmm. or a store manager. Um, Those are the particular places to which God calls us. And that, uh, I think one of the things I get really cranky about sometimes is when we, (laughs) (laughs) when we privy callings. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we should, uh, I just think it's a dangerous place to privy one's calling because then we start to privy the gifts that God gives each person and we we start to privy the imago dei in each person. I think where this can become most pronounced is if we really think of calling, it is a it has to be spoken of and talked about to do it faithfully. We have to talk about it in a way that honors every single human being. So can a child be called by God? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, a child can be called by God right now, and it's not necessarily a calling to a career or to a particular place, um, but God calls children to, in, in their innocence, to, to point out the beauty of the world to us or to ask us questions that we might otherwise be afraid to ask as adults. Um, does God call a person who has um, dementia and they're at the, the end of their life stages. Is there, is there a divine calling in their lives? And I think it's a harder question to answer because we struggle so much with what that means to see someone suffer by losing their mental capacities, but God is still calling and inviting that person into relationship with him and into relationship with others that point us to God's goodness, if we're willing to to participate in that with God. So, so I think one of the big misuses of call language is when we relegate it to people who are called to ministry. You know, Jesus calls disciples and calls us by saying, come and follow me. And, and the calling isn't, uh, you know, it's not a specific destination. In fact, most of the time is you talk to people and how they get where they are in life and how they answer God's calling. It comes in, in just kind of having one foot in front of the other kind of mentality. I, I recently heard in, or read in my, my morning devotion um, that God's calling is more of, it's more like following the steps on a GPS than having a map laid out in front of you that tells you this is exactly how you're going to get to the destination. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that day by day listening to the nudges of the Holy Spirit to recognize, oh, my goodness, in this moment right now, God is calling me um, to notice this woman in the grocery store who yeah. is struggling to to put the food in her grocery basket because because of whatever reason, you know, and, and in this moment, I can be the presence of God 
um, to this person. And so I think sometimes we just have overcomplicated it and we have, um, we just miss the great joy of every person being called by God in some unique capacity. So I could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> well, I like that. And I, I also like, you know, you kind of cast calling in the, in the broadest possible terms there. Um, but I, I think there's also uh, the other thing that I sort of picked up on you was when we began to talk about the Imago Dei, um, mm -hmm. I, there's this um, author that I love. His name's uh, Parker, Parker Palmer. And um, mm -hmm. he's, there's this book that he's got called Let Your Life Speak. And yes. one of the things he says in there um, is that he says, before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. And I like, I like that idea that it is, I don't know, it sounds like where you're headed with that, um, with the Imago Dei, right? With something <laughs> in you being called forth that God has created. Am I hearing that right? Oh, absolutely. I, I, is Moses the only person that could have led the Israelites into <laughs> or out of slavery? Probably not. Mm -hmm. um, God could use anyone, right? I mean, right. I mean, the answer is absolutely not. God could have used anyone, but there was something particular about Moses. Maybe even the fact that Moses said yes is part of part of the, <laughs> what Moses brought was a willingness to take this gigantic risk to do something um, very purposeful and meaningful with his life and. I, I think that part of the Imago Dei is that no one else does it exactly like you or I do it because no mm -hmm. one else in all of creation has been created like you or I have been created with our unique gifts and graces and passions and mm -hmm. the things that um, bring us joy that that can bring joy to the rest of the world. And so um, I think honoring each individual's gifts while recognizing that nothing we do um, is just for ourselves or or just impacts us. There's nothing we do apart from the communities in which we we live and work and play and reside. Yeah. So um, so we've kind of talked a little bit about calling, you know, as you know, there's daily calling. There's there's these moments where we feel mm -hmm. like God is asking us to do something. But then I think there's this sort of subset that I, I, I feel like is possibly the impulse behind the um the the sort of tendency to talk about calling as in a calling to ordained ministry only but mm -hmm. that that idea that calling also has there is a, a subset of it that is a, a vocational calling um right tell us more about that aspect yeah, I I do think there is a way that God calls us to a particular career and a place that we we serve the world in in the way that we spend our working hours. That a friend right. of mine talks about it, you know, in relationship to where do you spend your your working hours? Mm -hmm. um, and I like that language because I think it's helpful. And I do think there are those who are particularly called for pastoral ministry or apostolic ministry, mm -hmm. um, those who are called um, 
you know, to evangelism, those who are called to teach that, that these are, you know, the fivefold, I missed one, but the fivefold ministry of the church mm-hmm. um, is specific to the church in the book of Ephesians. And I love in Ephesians where Paul says that these ministries are for the sake of equipping the saints for ministry. So the, these, those who are in the fivefold ministry mm-hmm. um, who are called to ordained ministry or to teaching ministry within the life of the church, uh, apostolic ministry. This is for the sake of equipping the body of Christ to do ministry when they go out into their daily, everyday lives. And so I think there is something about the set-apart nature of those who are um, appointed by God into into career ministry as pastors or teachers or apostles or evangelists. Which one am I missing? Shepherds. I'm missing one. Shepherds. Yeah, <laughs> shepherds. And I think, you know, I think one of the reasons it's unintentional, I really do believe, I don't think mm-hmm. any, anyone intends to privy the role of pastor. I think right. the two things I think, one, I think we went through a period in the church where we stopped inviting people into a career in ministry. And, you know, at one point I right. can remember people saying, well, if there's nothing else that you can do, then go into ministry. <laughs> Blowing endorsement if we've ever yeah. heard. <laughs> right. And so then I think like somewhere the pendulum swings, right? right? Because all of a sudden, when that's the language you're using, everybody is like, how fast can I run away? Like, <laughs> right. There are many things I can do, actually. Um <laughs> You know, but can I do them and be at peace with God and with peace in my soul? That I think is a different question. So I I do think that um, I think it unintentionally gets exalted because those are the stories we most often tell now from the pulpit, you know, and I, I just have encountered a lot of people who they they've heard a call story. They've heard their pastor <laughs> say, you know, I was I was at blue light camp and I was standing on the rock and I was 15 years old and I looked across the lake and I heard God say to me, you're going to be a pastor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think there's a place and an important place for that. And I also think if that's the only call story that gets told from, from the leadership in the church, then the everyday um, disciples who aren't called into that fivefold ministry, go, well, I, that's weird. I've God never spoke to me like that, standing right. on a rock at a lake. I, di- I didn't hear that. <laughs> I think kind of what I hear you saying is that, um, that really, for Christians, uh, the work of our lives is holy work, um, no matter uh, if we are a pastor or a plumber um, right that God can call us to that work and that work can can be sort of um, filled with the presence of the spirit um, mm-hmm. you, whether or not it's it's actually working inside a church absolutely and I think that um, in this day and age in the United States, to our particular context, I really think the way evangelism and the good news spreads most effectively is going to be through, you know, an honest plumber right. <laughs> who isn't 
ripping someone off, you know, and who actually shows dignity and respect to the person whose home they entered to fix their plugged up toilet or whatever it is, you know, that uh, I think we live in a day and age where the people aren't just walking in the doors of the church seeking the guidance of a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am constantly praying that the work I do awakens young people to a sense of, of sacred calling, whether that is a marine biologist or a teacher or, you know, whatever it is that God calls them to do, because we are the light of the world right. and the light of Christ shines through us. We reflect the essence of God in our daily lives. And, and I think that's where people really find um, space to, sh- to show God's love. Yeah. Oh, speaking of your work, um, I, I know that you're involved in an initiative called the Timothy Circle that's really focusing on calling, particularly, you know, as far as this podcast is concerned for teenagers, adolescents. Um, can you tell mm-hmm. us more about the Timothy Circle? Sure. So one of the things we um, we realized at the Institute for Discipleship is if you're a really stellar athlete, if a high school student's a really stellar athlete, even starting before high school, you know, my friend Lori, a coworker, she tells the story that her daughter started volleyball in middle school and she's a tall, athletic young woman and immediately coaches are telling her, oh, this is where you need to go next and you're going to play this position and this is where you're going to go. And we have a pathway and a plan to help you go all the way to a division one college athlete, if that's what you want to do. And, um, you know, over time, every step of the way, um, Britain had someone walking beside her, able to show her where to go if she wanted to continue to pursue her volleyball, um, extracurricular work in volleyball, and, and then to potentially go on to college. And she was recruited to do that. And all along the way, there was guidance on how to do that. So the Timothy Circle Uh, We have done a lot of research. We've met with um, youth leaders, camping ministry leaders, campus ministers. We've done extensive reading and had extensive conversations with young people and parents and and church workers about what about about a young person who is trying to discern calling in their own life and how does the church come alongside them? And so we have built a resource um, online. It's www.timothycircle.com. And the resource is really to come alongside young people and help navigate how you discern where God is calling. And this is specific to helping them understand what what career God might be calling them to. It's, mm-hmm. it's less about the day-to-day calling of God and more about the discerning, where do I go to college and um, what major might I consider? And so we have a roadmap on the, or it's like, it's made like a hiking trail kind of mm-hmm. where they have different markers and stops along the way. And then we also have resources for parents and we have resources for church leaders to train mentors, to come alongside young people as they explore calling. So we have a four week mentor class that can be done online anywhere in the world. You just log in you know, and take this class just on how to how to help young people talk about calling. And then with the parents, you know, we've, we've just found that uh, particularly when a young person does feel called to ordained ministry, sometimes for parents, that's a really scary, uncharted territory for their <laughs> yeah. family. 
And so we have tried to build resources for parents to be able to learn if their young person is feeling called into um, some sort of ordained ministry or a professional career in ministry, how they can support their child in that, and hopefully um, diminish any fears of what what the <laughs> life of a pastor or a youth pastor looks like, which usually is revolving around like, can they actually financially live off right, of right. the salary of a youth pastor? That's, yeah, I, I can't tell you the number of times that, that I have a student uh, says, oh, I, I really feel a call into ministry as a career of some sort. And, um, and when it comes time for like college and study, their parents say, uh, yeah, yeah, that's cute and everything, but how are you going to make money? You need to actually get a degree in something that's worthwhile. And like, right. <laughs> and uh, oh, and we say it at the college level all the time, all the time. You know? <laughs> uh, but my mom and dad are like, you cannot possibly major in religion and philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, so let's, First off, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. It's so helpful to kind of think about that. But we're also um, going to do one more episode to talk a little bit more practical nuts and bolts. Um, but sure. if somebody's looking to to see more about uh, you and your work, uh, what is the best place to find you online? Probably at www.summityouthacademy.com dot com and that's the high school youth theology initiative program that I run at Southwestern College. So if you look up the Summit Youth Academy, you will find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you know, when you sit down to work as a youth pastor, um, it can feel lonely. You can feel like uh, you you're having to do this by yourself, but we don't want you to feel that way. We don't want you to feel like you're alone, but we want to be your first source for Games, ideas, lessons, coaching. I want you to know that we've got your back with all of that stuff uh, at youthworkercollective.com and more podcasts like this one. It's youthworkercollective.com slash podcast.